0: Hello and welcome to Gilead. My name is Soren Hodgehair, and I'm the comms and admin Haas here. It is the end of the year and thank you so much for joining us at Gilead. This past Sunday was December 17th, 2023, and it was our last service of the year. Um, Vince was preaching, we are continuing our, and ending our Bright and Wild theme, and there is so many more parties to be had, so please, listen now. Glad we collectively decided there were no names we could shout out for You'll Go Down in History anymore. Uh, (laughs) I definitely imagined a Rudolph lead-in to this sermon. One summer uh, back when I lived in Gainesville, I got to take a group uh, from that church uh, to a retreat at Plum Village, a Buddhist retreat center in southwestern France. And on the last night of our retreat, the nuns who led my small group, the young adults, they invited us to a potato barbecue in the garden where we had worked all week. At 9.30 on Friday night, when everyone else was observing noble silence, we met at the garden tea house, which was really more like a gazebo. It was just like a platform with a roof in the middle of the field. We lit the tiny hibachi that was next to it and set about rummaging through the garden for things to grill. In addition to potatoes, we grabbed zucchini and snap peas and kale, and we chopped them into bite-sized bits and brushed them with olive oil and sprinkled a little salt on them. And when they were brown, we passed them around on plates, each taking a couple pieces of vegetable and sending the plate back for the next round. We drank tea and we shared stories. Our conversation was easy and full of laughter. But off in the corner of this tea house, there was one nun who sat in silence, her back to the rest of us. And every once in a while, if the laughter got too loud, she turned in and shushed us. And the other sisters who had joined in kind of gently reminded us that these were technically quiet hours. So we'd lower our voices for a few minutes until our joy got the better of us and we were noisy again. Now, this cranky nun happened to be Buddhist, but I think you could say it of basically people from any religious tradition, including, of course, Christianity. True believers are often skeptical of anything that smacks too much of pleasure or enjoyment. Those are like earthly concerns. At best, they're transitory and unimportant. At worst, distracting and sinful. The truly spiritual person keeps her mind trained on higher things. Because if they give themselves over to intense emotions like joy or passion, they fear they might get carried away. That was the warning that one young monk gave us the day before that potato barbecue in a kind of Q&A session with a monk that we got to have. Someone asked about his vow of celibacy Because, of course, I did. I was like, question two, because you want to hold back at the beginning. (laughs) And the monk said that, like, looking back on his own dating life, he realized the danger of the intense feelings that dating brought up and the pain that those feelings had caused himself and others. And he shared what an older monk had told him when he, he was starting out, that some types of energy are just too powerful. They're better, better channeled into other activities, like sports or music, which unfortunately no one else laughed at that day. <laughs> it's better, he was saying, to choose smaller, subtler joys and avoid being overcome by wild pleasures. It was an answer that might easily have been given by a Catholic nun or a Baptist Sunday school teacher. It's an answer that I, Probably would have given for many years of my life, but it's not Jesus's answer There's this story of Jesus and it's not really an Advent story But if you were picky about that you wouldn't be here singing Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer (laughs) as our song of preparation (laughs) And it is kind of an Advent story or at least like treating it as an Advent story this week helped me to understand it better Like if Advent is about wanting God to enter into human life, that O come, O come Emmanuel, then you could think of this as an Advent story. It it says why Jesus came or or how. The son of man, it says, or we could say the child of humanity, the human one, that's what it means. The human one came eating and drinking and you call him a glutton and a drunkard. Jesus is arguing with some religious leaders who would have gotten along well with the grumpy nun at the barbecue, some real party shushers. (laughs) And he uses this analogy that I've never understood at all. He asks them, "To, to what shall I compare this generation? And of all the possible options, he goes with, it's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance we wailed and you did not mourn, which definitely sounds like something actual kids would really do. And I truly have never understood that saying at all until I thought about it as an Advent scripture this week, that it's about the reason God takes on human life or the way God does it fully. The human one came eating and drinking came and found those who claimed to know God best, turning their noses up at the gift of life they had been given, refusing to dance when the flute played or the beat dropped, standing unmoved beside a crying child. Jesus tells them, you're like those who sit silently in the corner of the party. You're like those who get horny and make themselves go play baseball or (laughs) practice the trombone. (laughs) Non-euphemistically. He's saying you've you've told yourselves that God wants you to hold back, that, that what's dangerous or destructive in human life is to get carried away by joy or by grief, but it's just the opposite. What's dangerous is to fail to be carried away by life's beauty, by its goodness, by its tragedy, by its possibility. What's dangerous is to stifle your laughter and choke back your tears. To try to avoid the pain of relationships so that it's easier on yourself. To skip the heartache that comes with love. What's dangerous is to shove down the good with the bad because you think it will be too much. To disconnect from what it means to be human. That's how you end up doing so many inhuman things to one another but the human one came eating and drinking. I came so that you might have life and have it abundantly. I came not for you to avoid the powerful energies within you, but to show you all that you can do with that power that you've been given, with all of that energy, to show you what it's capable of, to show you how to change the world with it. And first to remind you that the world is worth changing worth saving, that life is worth living fully, loudly, wildly, worth getting carried away by. God took on human life to really live it. And this is where I think it gets Advent. Jesus says, I came eating and drinking, follow me. I took on human life. You take on human life again. Be born in flesh with all of its dancing and mourning, laugh, cry, love, hurt, feast. You holy people, show the world that it is possible to find God in the middle of it all, that that's actually the first place they should look. I came to reveal Emmanuel, the the God that is with us in all of it. Quit putting me off in some corner. After the potato barbecue, I left Plum Village and met Rochelle in Paris, where we planned to spend the week eating and drinking. I had looked up the 10 must-eat pastries in the City of Lights. First on my list were the puy de at the famous store Bakery. puy de means wells of love. They're these little well-shaped puff pastries, piped full of custard and covered with, like, crackly caramelized sugar. So early one morning, Rochelle and I made a beeline to the famous foodie street on which store is located. We got there just after the shop opened, and we waited our turn. And a couple minutes later, we were back out on the street with our Puy de More and a rhubarb clafoutis that kind of caught our eye from the case. We started looking for somewhere to sit and enjoy them, but there were no benches in sight, and it was a heat wave in Paris that summer, and we feared that the custard would start to run, and we wanted to enjoy our well of love the way it was meant to be enjoyed. We walked up and down adjoining streets, growing like increasingly frantic. This is like you can imagine how I get about pastries. And we just <laughs> kept striking out. And then finally, like a At the end of a block, a few blocks away, we spotted a construction site with barricades like just the right height that you could lean against them (laughs) and scarf down a pastry. And it was loud. There was like a jackhammer going on in the background. It was hot. There was no shade to be had. And judging by the Parisians, the way they turned their noses up as they walked by, it was just on the edge between tacky and illegal. but we dove into that bag and we each grabbed a pastry and dug in and that little well of love was more lovely than I had imagined, crisp and buttery on the outside and still cool and creamy within. And beside me, Rochelle was equally enjoying the clafoutis and we turned to each other with big smiles and offered the other a bite. It was noisy and sweaty and delicious and God was in it. Wendell Berry wrote, Be joyful because it is humanly possible. I don't know if he wrote that about Advent, but I read it that way. That it's about how God enters into life or why, to remind us of what is humanly possible, to remind us to do what is humanly possible, all that is humanly possible, to change the world, which begins with loving the world. Jesus puts on flesh and stretches all the way out to the ends of it, pushes it to the limit, sees how far it can go, eating and drinking, dancing and mourning, loving until it hurts and loving even further, getting carried away by its beauty and goodness and tragedy and possibility and inviting us to do the same to leave our quiet corners and take on human life again.